Yeah, I mean, but this is a temporary issue with the uh, the microchips because they had to go into millions of vaccines. So we're just Welcome again, everybody, to an exciting episode of the Crowdsource Politics News Roundup. I'm your host and moderator, Cypher, and today I am joined by the ever-lovable Art Black, Matteo Nadal, our resident curmudgeon. Hey, Internet. <laughs> Chase Mitchell, always glad to have you here. Very smart guy. Welcome back. Super, super glad to be here. Not actually smart. <laughs> and Sean Solo. Sean, how you been? How's it going, dude? How, how's the nerd wall? I'm good. Hey. Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. The wall is good. I'm good. And this is the Crowdsource Politics News Roundup. If this is your first time joining us, Crowdsource Politics News Roundup is a weekly show that the Crowdsource Politics podcast crew and guests have put together for your all's entertainment and for us to cover the news with the kind of analysis only the crowd can provide. If this is your first introduction to Crowdsource Politics, we are a funky little debate community on Facebook that gave birth to a podcast and are doing other ventures such as Crowdsource Tribune, which is a budding media company slash not-for-profit. So we, generally speaking, try to publish two episodes a month on across all podcast streaming services and do this weekly where we interact with our fans and anybody that might happen to come by to answer questions about the news that was from the week, the week, the Thursday before to the current Thursday. So that is us. If you do uh, want to debate and chill out, go ahead and join our discord. Please join discord. You can find the links in the links below or above, depending on where you're viewing this at. And if you do Facebook, go ahead and join the Facebook debate community at Tribune Commons. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. Well, uh, prior to officially starting the episode, we talked a little bit about inflation, some gamma squeezes from AMC and that sort of thing. So I think that is a great topic to go ahead and start off with. What's going on with inflation? Why are people talking about it? Is it actually happening? Is it anything to worry about? What are your guys' thoughts? I'm dying to know what the rest of you guys think. I have some thoughts, but I'm dying to know what everyone else thinks. It's happening. We don't know if it's a problem. And that's about it so far. I think that's actually the, the fairest assessment anybody can give on this right now. Uh, we should get revised numbers tomorrow. Um, the Fed is to publish revised numbers for both the uh, the core inflation, the PCE and the PCI inflation indexes. Um, so we should get some, some numbers there. Uh, we've heard Larry Summers warn Biden about the infrastructure bill to causing more inflation. And people already talked about, like, we're seeing house sky prices skyrocket. We're seeing uh, asset inflation in general. So maybe this is something to worry about. Maybe it's not. Um, Sean, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on it, dude? Uh, think something? I think it is hitting certain sectors heavier than others. That, mm-hmm. that could be cause for concern, but I think most of it is just overblown, hyped. I mean, it's a thing, but is it a real problem? Probably not. Gotcha, gotcha. What about? But you are. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of inclined to agree. Like we had a, an issue a year ago where the economy basically froze up and we had fears of deflation, and now we kind of have the accordion snapping back where. People that you know were kind of you know constricted before are now out spending money. You know they're kind of it may be a kind of a self reinforcing loop at this point, but mm. um, I, I don't know that it's a fundamental problem. I think it's just a reaction to pandemic problem, and it just feels 
you know, more you know, significant than it is. Kind of the dovetail where I was talking about earlier, um, you know, because there's limited inventory right now for houses, I've just been calling around, talking to owners, saying of like, hey, like if we can bring you a crazy offer, like what would work for you? And I talked to this one guy who uh, family's from Argentina. And he goes, he goes, you may not know this, you're very young, but uh, we had the inflation back then. And he tells me this, you know, long story of how worthless all their money was. And mm -hmm. the, kind of the punchline was, is it, you know, in times like that, the only thing that matters are assets. So he's like, yeah, we could sell the, the beach house, but then what would we do with the money? Like, we just had to buy some other, you know, overpriced stuff. He goes, it seems like I should just hold on to it for now and just kind of see how this plays out. And I'm like, you know, I honestly can't argue with that <laughs> logic. You know, it, it does make a lot of sense. I don't think that what's going on is a fundamental problem. I think it's just a, you know, like I said before, a reaction to the pandemic. But I certainly can understand how some people would want to play it safe and look at it and say, For sure. you know, why, why would I want to convert this asset into dollars that might not matter, you know, if inflation takes off? I mean, I'm, I'd need to go from asset to asset, which people often yeah. do. So um, that's a nice pitch, too. But No, I think that's a, a very fair point. Chase, are you ready to give your thoughts? Yeah. On well, I actually, I think that, Everyone, if we combine everything that everyone has said, it kind of sums up my opinion and my anecdotal slash factual interpretation of what is happening, which is if you look at certain things. So our entire economy is based off of companies forecasting what they think is demand is going to be and trying to meet that demand. And like almost every company has been operating on like a just in time basis where they're getting things in their supply chain exactly at the right moment to produce the amount that they predict that it's going to happen. And if you want like an interesting microcosm as to what's happening right now, look at graphics cards because those guys did a horrible job at predicting demand. Now you can't buy a graphics card literally anywhere. Well, now that's happening with a bunch of other things. So I just booked a flight to go home to Wisconsin. Pre-pandemic, there was flights back to Wisconsin out of DCA every single evening on Southwest. Southwest hasn't brought back those flights yet, even though now demand is higher than it was pre-pandemic. So we've got a supply-demand mismatch where the suppliers are way, way, way behind the sudden increase in demand. And this is happening in a whole bunch of things. But it's not happening across every single product. So if you look at milk prices and other things and a lot of like consumer staples, they're really pretty stable, maybe going up a little bit. If you look at the whole CPI and annualize it, yeah, we're seeing like 2.9% inflation, but that's really likely due to like this amalgamation of weird factors that we haven't experienced before. So I'm really not super worried about it because I think as all of these manufacturers start getting back to the reality and meeting this present like demand spike and make no bones about it. Everyone that I know is spending money right now. I've got like three vacations planned in the next two months. Like, you know, and, and this is not exclusive to me. Everyone I know is spending money right now. Everyone I know is buying stuff. People have been cooped up for a year. They want to get out and spend money. They want to travel. They want to buy stuff. You know, they haven't had a reason to buy clothes for a year. Like, there is a lot of pent up demand for all kinds of things. And there's shortages, like people are struggling to hire because people are also like not back to their normal routine yet. You know, they don't have childcare set up. They don't have, you know, they aren't ready to get back to the way things were. 
So we're in a very weird time. And I think people are trying to apply like traditional economic analysis at a time when we are not, we are not in a traditional time at all. That's, no, that's that, where I'm at. That's a, a, a very uh, good point. Honestly, Chase, I, I do think that we, what we are partly seeing here, and it's something that you've mentioned um, is that we're seeing a peep, uh, a group of people, especially those of us that can work from home that are middle class to upper middle class that had office jobs that paid already paid well, uh, either being getting paid more or, uh, or or not, but still being able to maintain their income while drastically reducing the amount of things they spend money on going out to eat everybody per, like lots of people cut that out from their budget entirely. Right. Or, or extremely redu reduced it. Right. You don't have people going out to like bars, bars anymore. You don't have people going out to game clubs. Um, people are spending more time at home. So they're sitting on this cash that would normally be spending weekly and it's just accumulating. Well, what are you going to do with it? Right. You're going to do, you're going to buy assets. So that's, that's what a lot of people, upper middle class, middle class people did with the first stimulus check. They went and bought stock. And so the stock market uh, increased. And, and then you have these people that are like, well, I can't live in an apartment anymore like I've been doing because I need the space for an office because I can't work from home with this tiny apartment um, with my girlfriend or, or fiance or what or wife, whatever partner and needing a bigger space. So they end up going to buy a house <laughs> and that's going to drive the market up. People that are people that would normally wait maybe a year or two, three are now coming into the market to buy these things up. And then there's also the issue of, let's say, gas. Um, as Chase was saying, gas prices are up, um, but that's partly because demand is up while production has been cut to meet demand from COVID. And OPEC has not agreed to increase gas production. They have no incentive to do it right now. They're able to make up money that was lost during the, <laughs> partly that was lost during the, the shutdown. Why? So in my opinion, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing with this this artificial uh, decrease in production is being kept there for a little bit of time in order to recoup some of the losses from the year prior. But I yeah, do want to point I'm out thinking. that gas prices, I, I can't remember in the CPI if gas is even included in the bundle. It is. It is? Okay. Well, yeah. Which is kind of weird because actually I, I tend to think of, of gas as counterinflationary. Because the price of gas, it does adjust people's gas usage habits, but not that much. People tend to use a fairly consistent amount of gasoline. It tends to be very cyclical. People don't change their habits that much as a result of gas prices. Now, when it's dramatic, yeah, but it actually tends to, if gas prices go up, people's spending tends to change in other things. I think right now, it just barely makes a difference because, like you said, people just haven't spent money for a year. Um, yeah. And I, I should, I always want to acknowledge there are certainly people who lost their jobs and are struggling financially, but there are a lot of people that are not in that boat. And those are the kind of people that are buying houses and stocks and et cetera. Like pilot. Yep. Uh, Mateo, you said something. Um, what, what was it? Oh, um, there's two different measures of inflation. Uh, mm -hmm. There's core and headline core counts, uh, gas and food, which is volatile. Like Chase said, yep. headline, Gets, or no headline is what includes it and then the core okay. kind of cuts that out because like chase mentioned it's pretty noisy it goes up and down pretty yeah. violently at times and and it's using and if i'm not mistaken mateo please correct me like right away if i'm wrong but the inflation number that's being reported now is the uh the pci not the core uh the cpi the cpi that's what i meant 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was core and headline, I think, or it might have been just core. I can't remember. But um, what happened today was the PCE. Are you okay. talking about today? Or are you asking about? I mean, in general, um, I know that one is typically higher than the other, and that one is the one that economists would, would like the labor department to uh, to move to. Probably PCE then. Yeah. So the PCE doesn't um, doesn't include gas, and so one one of those other. Double check us on this. Yeah, I think, I <laughs> Obviously, think also headline and core with the PCE as well. But I'm not sure, so I will look it up. Yeah, I, I mean, I I was I read about it, and so yeah, core PCE. Also, okay. oil are. I mean, it makes sense. It's an inflation yeah. measure. Yeah, I just know. So uh, never mind. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it's just going to be useless information. I was going to say uh, PCE uses more goods and services or more services right. than CPI, but it's. It was irrelevant. But um, the the whole thing with that is that if you cut out the if you can reduce the noise in that I was reading a Forbes article, um, basically taking out the the highest outlier and the lowest outlier, taking those out and to like it's called smoothing the data to account for for outliers, uh, account for noise. Uh, you it drops by like a percentage point. Like the last month's. Inflate this April's inflation drops by one percent, so you're looking at a three point two, or near three point one percent inflation versus the four point one point two inflation that was reported, and so these are things that people should take into account because we had a we had gas prices fall off a cliff in in April basically of last year, and the prices right before were around what they are now, so it's just filling that hole. Um. Art, you had a video you would want me to play. I am going to pull it up. Um, it's right about now. the uh, the state of, of real estate, and it's uh, it's brief, but it's amazing. This is what all we're right. going through right now. Let me go ahead and share the screen. Tap share audio and that. They use a metaphor, but you'll pick it up real quick. Is that Apple for sale? Uh, yeah, we're about to put it on sale right now, actually. Well, I'm in the market, so tell me about your Apple. Why should I buy it? Nice try. Okay, people, here's how this is going to work. I have an apple here. The highest bidder's going home with this. I want all bids in in the next two minutes, and we're closing it. Bidding starts at $5. So I'm pretty confident there, huh? I mean, don't you $10. think? $10. He said starting at 5 15 Is this a new apple? Yeah, just listed. I'm pre-qualified. I'll pay cash. I got cash. 20 30 40 No, just make it 45 Is it even worth that? 50 I don't know. Please, this is the eighth apple. Could I have get up close? I, nope, it's an apple. Nope, you want it or you don't. I'll take it for 100. What, I'm from California. It's the cheapest apple I've ever seen. <laughs> Why did I do that? Why, I don't, I don't know. That was great. Thank wow. you, Art, for that share. Anyway, that, that's literally how it is right now. It's just, it's off the rails. It's going like that in, in Austin as well, so it's it's pretty pretty bananas. What's funny is a lot of places that people are moving to because it's cheaper. Um, is <laughs> you know, for instance, I, I have a brother that moved to Boise. Uh, they have like jobs that they work from uh, San Francisco, but they can telecommute or whatever. Uh, so they are uh, just like, well, let's just take the money across the border. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, that market's like absolutely skyrocketing. Like stuff that was selling for like three hundred thousand years ago is now going for like four fifty. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's nuts. It's just every, even the, even the, the escape routes are getting clogged. Well, they're not going far enough. Right. So nobody wants to move to, well, to like 
Yeah, I mean, you're kind of right. And a lot of people who are leaving California, go to Texas, are all going to the same places. And those are just like, you know, the three studios all going through the same door at once. You know, just California's coming to Austin, turn it into Cala, Texas, and then they're going to Arizona. Turn. I'd say it's going to be bright blue in like a week. Like the rate of people people leaving. It's just, it's nuts. Uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I am curious. You would think that in this era of telecommuting seeming to like everyone woke up and suddenly telecommuting was a great option. You'd think that in this era that the housing pressure in cities would be downward, but it just doesn't seem to be that that's what's happening. Cause it turns out people like to live in cities. Yep. Well, I, I think that would be true if there was a constant amount of humans, but the thing is, is that we're multiplying and you know, they only made so much, uh, you know, like, well, yeah, property because in Biden just cities. opened the borders and lets anybody in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I a did. lot of people miss that, that we could make new cities, guys. Let's do it. Oh, well, that's no, part I, of what's kind of happening. But go ahead, Art. No, I, I, I oh. agree. But, you know, in California, we can't because we have the environmental restrictions, so we can't right. build new things. Um, and we have it's just a weird diabolical mix, you know, that we have as far as, you know, well-meaning things that don't work out well. And then kind of <laughs> just things that are as bad on their own. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a mess. It's just a, it's an absolute mess, but you're right. If you go out far enough, you know, presumably, um, you know, like go, kind of building new cities, mm-hmm. like, you know, you would normally think of Boise as like a kind of a cosmopolitan hub, yeah. but you're getting a lot of, you know, Californias that are trying to recreate like California, you know, nearby. And do people I, up in like Oregon and uh, Seattle, or you know, they've been complaining about that forever about you know Californians are you know fleeing out. But we're we're kind of reaching into redder and redder states now, you know, with our export of Californians and turning cities you wouldn't normally think of into more like uh, what we left behind. So the unwashed just, masses are coming from my guns. Yeah, Co- cosmopolitan true. hub. I mean, you know, Boise just shoots right to the top of mind when I think <laughs> cosmopolitan <laughs> hub. It, it really does. But um, yeah, I, you know, things are changing with, uh, you know, demographics is destiny, so to speak. So yep. you get enough Californians anywhere, it turns into little California. Love it. We can, we can get California pizza everywhere. But yeah, I don't really care for it either. It's just one. But um, one of the, I think it was Sean what, saying that, uh, that people, you would think that the house's prices would go down, right? Because we get left, the um, people would want to move like further out or whatever. Isn't this something that we debated a lot with people in our community, where they were, they were swearing up and down they would move to like these tiny cities and just live the rural lifestyle? Oh, Remember every that? Republican in California has been saying that. Yeah, it doesn't seem to like bear out, but people have been saying it. You get guys like Tim Pool and, uh, you know, or even, you know, Joe Rogan or, you know, a lot of the guys who used to be out here in you know California or in bigger cities that, have, you know, some of those guys are heading to Texas. So they are getting a little bit off the grid, you know, especially if you're loaded, you know, why not? <coughs> but uh, for a lot of people, just for work reasons, you know, this, many people can do Zoom meetings and kind of make that yeah. you know, work. But, you know, for a lot of people in most industries, there is a certain amount of face to face that's required. Yeah, that's true. There was a, I think it was a couple of months ago, there was an NPR program that was talking about people moving to some ski town and driving up the prices there. 
because mm. of the work remote and being able to be outside and do stuff. So, what ski mm. town didn't already have absurd real estate? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, it's probably I, I don't recall which which area it was in, but I just know that they didn't have it wasn't it wasn't like Aspen. Basically, it was. Well, I was going to say, no matter how bad it is, it can always get worse. My brother lived in Vale for a year during his fellowship. So, which is, Vale is not a place that like normal people live. <laughs> so, right. I've seen how crazy it can be. But yeah, we, Denver is, I just had a couple of friends move out to Denver and I was like, are you sure? Because Denver <laughs> is like, every millennial right. wants to live in Denver all of a sudden. And like, I know they have great breakfast places, but come on. I saw it on Instagram. Some girl took her butt an, along a mountainside, and it just spoke to me. I have to move out there. And actually, <laughs> I, I keep seeing these lists that are like top hundred cities to live, and it's always at the top three or something. It's it's always up there. Yeah, we we do have a comment coming in from uh, from Twitch from Rotten Pizza saying Whole Foods once they come in, it's a real place. <laughs> <laughs> Soho Sopa. Once they come in, yeah, it's yeah, a real- yeah, yeah. Once they come in, it's a real place, meaning that your neighborhood is rapidly gentrifying. <laughs> yes. And then you see, see the typical, stereotypical uh, latte liberal with the Black Lives Matter sign as they're shoving everybody out. Now, that's an interesting way of framing it. You know, are we gentrifying Texas? Like, is this what's happening no. here? Not, well, they're not gentrifying. I mean, this about, like Dallas, Austin? Austin, <laughs> Dallas and Austin have already been gentrified. Like the, I, I live on the east side of Austin, and that used to be the historical black area of Austin. And there's, it's basically already going, like it's gone. Like I mean, it's not much. rednecks gentrifying these places, so no, it's not. It's it's the yeah, it's, <laughs> it's always definitely... the people who hate gentrification. Like, like <laughs> right. this is the worst thing ever. As they're like in their like new house, well, the, the, they... yeah, this is what I could afford. Like, okay, that's all like, I could afford. Well, that's the whole yeah, fucking point. point. It's just skin color is all you see, and that's why you think it's a problem now. Well, it's it's complicated. Like when I moved to D.C., fair, fair. I moved into a historically black neighborhood. Like you ask anybody, it's well, a historically black there you neighborhood. Go. And it was because I was living with four other people. It was what I could. It was the only place I could afford. But like while I lived there, an organic grocery store was built. A TJ Maxx was built. Yeah. A luxury apartment building was built. And a Target was going up by the time I moved out of the neighborhood. So guaranteed. <laughs> Yeah, well, but guaranteed, guaranteed, within a year or two, I wouldn't have been able to afford to live in that neighborhood, much less all of the people who'd lived there for decades, Forever. generations. Like, when I, I say, like, say generations, some of the families in that neighborhood had been there for literally generations, and they won't be able to afford to live there in the near future in LA. So it's like, it's a, it's a problem, but it's like, how do you solve that problem, you know? I guess like Cities some people are like, well, I don't hard. feel bad for them because they, if they own their house, they can just sell it and make a bunch of money. But a lot of them are renting, in which case they're just being forced to move. Yeah, there's yeah, rent control, but there's only so much you could do. Yeah, I mean, it's I would, in a yeah. limited space and it's high demand. There's yeah really little you could do besides just like artificially keeping prices down, which will get rid of stewardship, or or, or maybe not build more. Yimbies, yeah, well, yimbies, yimbies at night. Municipalities should build housing, yeah. I think. Like that would easily it would bring down the market prices of the private market and it would also provide houses. It's it's one of the, like the least intrusive ways to solve the problem, but I don't know, it doesn't seem Oh, you're you're 100%. I get so frustrated living in DC because every every single new apartment building that goes up, every single one is a luxury apartment building. 
I have yet to see since I've lived here any new buildings going up that are going to provide non-luxury housing. And why? Because those guys can be at like 50 or 60% capacity and turn more of a profit than a affordable housing unit that not even affordable, just non-luxury unit that is at a hundred percent capacity. Like that's the reality. No, and that's very true. How do, you, how do you fix that economic incentive? You don't, unless you have a, you know, I'm all for markets and everything, but at the same time, the, the public sector has jobs. It should do too, for the people. Like if housing mm-hmm. can't be met by the private sector, well then to add housing, to, you know, fill the gap. The, the issue with building low cost housing is that it's low cost. So people will buy it and then they'll flip it. And they'll make it nice, well, and then you get rich people. But that's why that's what I'm saying is that you, the, in our current structure, there's a high incentive for people to come in and turn things into luxury units, where you know, like half the stuff that I sell is like vacant. Like people just buy it, and then they maybe come to town for like a month, and then it just sits here empty. I mean, what do you do with that? Like in, in the current structure, it, it pencils out. Like they don't care. So, and we have, and you have like homeless people camped out in front of these empty houses down at the beach. So, yep. Uh, and this is, you, you talked about holding onto an asset before. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Lewis Rossman. He's a MacBook repair guy on YouTube, but hmm. he has talked quite a bit about New York real estate because he was just looking for an office and observed during COVID that. There were places that were empty for in sometimes years. Like the last time he was looking for a new office space, he was he was finding some of the same places were still empty because people are just hanging on to the real estate. They're going up in value. Even if they're empty, they're still not losing money. And they have no incentive to lower the rent prices uh, because that could apply downward pressure on all of the other properties that they manage. In it. I bet they're losing so, a ton of money in taxes and all sorts of everything there is not just like you you hold on to it and then you sell it when you want it's yeah you can write a lot of those losses off though yeah that's the thing there's there's these weird yeah yeah, they're they're losses because they're purposely keeping them off yeah keeping people out until they can get the amount of money they Mm -hmm. they want and since you can write off you can write off a lot of those losses you end up having an issue the government of new york hasn't gotten around that (laughs) no it's 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 not like they have a, a huge republican it's oh. federal too. That's oh, the problem. Okay. It's it's a confluence of both federal and local oh. tax incentives. The, the, New York's also a little bit special because they have. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I'm not an expert on this. My understanding is that there are a ton of foreign investors who use shell companies to buy real estate in New York to hold on to money, especially people from foreign countries who want to get their money out of their country. <laughs> yes. So. There's a lot of real estate in New York that really they don't even have interest in renting. They just want an asset hold. And New York real estate is one of the most consistent ways to hold value in a physical way that protects your money. And so New York's kind of weird like that. Would adjusting but, yeah. salt uh, deduction caps fix any of this? No, it's separate. Oh, I think well, it's, I I think it's it separate. Funny. No, no. I mean, it's like it, it would, it you know, having that extra extra tax on there might have some, um, or not extra tax, but you know, whatever, um, might have some effect. But it's a lot of it's a lot of separate things. So if you have a real estate company and you're not selling your real estate and you're dumping money into it to improve it, then and you're not able to sell it, then you can write off the loss, right? Can you write Are, off the taxes uh, though? Yeah, and can you, you can write off yeah, some. But- of, you can write off some of the taxes. Yeah, for the business. But how much? Because yeah, that that struck me when I said that earlier. And you guys are 
you could write that. Oh, that yeah. Are taxes losses? Well, not the taxes per se, but uh, oh, okay. you know, let's say you know somewhere in like California where we have Prop 13, you know, you're not actually paying a lot of taxes. So it's uh, basically pegged at a point a quarter or so of the uh, sale price from whenever you did it. So if you bid it, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, then your taxes are just nothing. So, but it, like depending on where you are, like, I, you know, other places have much higher taxes. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, that I, I couldn't speak to other states. Yeah, it's just ridiculous the amount of stuff you can you can do with this stuff. Like, honestly, the tax code needs to be overhauled. It needs to actually, we need actual tax reform, not just gutting taxes on the wealthy, which is where yeah. public can Well, we just, we need, our tax code isn't, Especially around real estate, our tax code doesn't incentivize the kind of behaviors that we want. Yes. We don't incentivize. Now, when you say we, you're not talking about the, the donors <laughs> to the parties. So it does certainly give them the, the policies that they want. Uh-oh, lost Chase. I was about to say, am I the only one seeing this? not <laughs> having a bunch of empty houses? Oh, there he is. Chase. We as U.S. Americans. It was a yeah. big, long speech, and he just cut <laughs> out. I'm sorry, you froze up, Chase. Can, can you say again? Yeah. Uh, all I said was, when I say we, I mean we, comma, U.S. Americans, what mm. we writ large, the royal we. Well, right. the formerly royal we, we had a whole war about it, no royalty anymore. But, um, yeah, you know, like, we should be using tax law to disincentivize having a bunch of empty housing. Um, mm-hmm. And we should kind of, like, be forcing people to, if they're going to hang on to Uh-oh. real estate and leave it vacant for a long time, they yes. should be penalized for that. Tobin tax, vacancy tax, do it. Land True. value added tax, let's do it. Do True. all the things. As as for salt deductions, I'm I'm all for salt deductions. I've got high blood pressure, so I need more of a salt. Jesus. Deduction. <laughs> we we got a. I want to get a couple of comments in here that we got from uh for some of our our, our watchers, and um so we have one from Rotten Pizza over on Twitch. They let landlords overcharge for crap properties through Section 8. Section 8 needs to be revamped. Waiting list years long in a lot of places, which is true. Um, Section 8 housing within Houston, um, a ProPublica did it with, um, with I think, the Wait, Texas is it called, Tribune. Is it called Section 8 in Texas? Because Section 8 refers to Section 8 of the New York Constitution, right? That's where that term comes from? It's what it's called for all of it because it's a federal program at this point. Oh, is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Section Section 8 housing in Tex- in Houston has a five-year waiting list. And uh, if you can't find a, a place that you can afford with that voucher or somebody to take that voucher, you lose it because of how long the waiting list is. So you have people that had um, been on the waiting list for you know five, six years, got it, couldn't find a place, lost their spot, and had to go back on the waiting list. So that's very true. Thank you, Rotten Pizza, for bringing it up. And then we have uh, another comment, uh, two comments coming in from YouTube. Uh, maybe it's me. Uh, this happened to Cartersville, Georgia, where he grew up. It used to be a quiet small town, and now it's a burb of Atlanta. Still nice, yet irony rings. Wonder why we never talk about the burbs takes over. Poor people in those areas are pushed further out to the sticks, which is also true. Because they're white. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it could, it's partially some of that. Some of it's also that you know people really don't care about poor people all that much. By and large, we all say that we do, but if it means getting between me and, and my bag, sorry, poor guy, you're gonna get pushed over to the side. Just, just so I've, just so I've on the fly fact chat. It's Section Eight of the Housing Act of 1937. The New York Constitution thing predates that, but they are not; they're they're distinct. Hmm. So okay. it is Section Eight federally from the Housing Act of 1937. 
There you go. I do want to say that one of the the things that we had during the the New Deal was the um, was the building of projects. And I'm not a, I'm not pro projects. I think concentrating poor people into very small areas is very bad. Has a lot of knock on effects of of increasing crime, of increasing uh, or decreasing opportunities because everybody that you know is also poor. Um, I prefer scatter plot housing. Shout out to Show Me a Hero on HBO. No, that is not an ad. It's just a really good document uh, docu series that, that I like. Yeah, um, pretty good. But uh, yeah, so during during the FDRs, they built a ton of affordable housing for people, and we haven't had that done really since. I mean, I guess you can kind of say the GI Bill helped with that a bit. Um, but oh, oh yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I, so I think that's another uh, thing we should talk about. Another th- interesting sure. thing about uh, affordable housing is that if you don't have affordable housing and you live somewhere nice, you don't have any workers. So, you know, people like having these nice areas and, you know, they enjoy a certain standard of living. But, you know, uh, like, for instance, a lot of the other business owners that I know complain constantly about how it's harder and harder to get people to work for minimum wage, which (laughs) dovetails into another conversation. But, you know, if you were paying people so little that they can't afford to live in the areas that you need them to be to service those areas, then you're going to, you know, you're basically creating a uh, inherently dysfunctional system where, you you just you don't have the workers to operate a you know a high end economy that you know does need to be serviced. You need service personnel for uh, you know in, in terms of like the service industry. Um, yeah, so you know you need to have a mix of you know affordable housing near even very luxurious wealthy areas, or, or else you know you, you can't get anything done. We all need to be serviced. That's what I took away. True. True. <laughs> I, I think we've I kept booking okay so uh, I think we covered this inflation topic and dovetailed it into the I, real I do before, I just want to mention just because we didn't actually talk about it is the Fed their assessment is basically like because the Fed has basically set their policies such that they want to maximize economic growth right now they're looking at unemployment still being high and they've basically come to the assessment we don't need to pull back on, you know, keeping the interest rates low and keeping our, you know, we don't need to pull that back yet, but they might start to talk about that in the near future. So, you know, their analysis is probably a lot more intricate and complicated than ours, but if the Fed's not worried about inflation, then we probably shouldn't be. No, I I agree with that. If Uh, this is still going another six, eight, nine months, like that could be something, but I think that we really do need to give the economy a little time to readjust from COVID. Yeah. Once that happens, if we're still looking at problems, there may be more to it than it looked like at first. And we should certainly at least keep a very wary eye on it. Just make sure that it doesn't get out of hand and we shouldn't discount it. You know, it might be masked by COVID, but it could be something a lot worse underneath. So we don't know that. And we should be wary. And yeah, the Fed and, even said that they're going to, sorry. No, the Fed even said, um, they want to let it get a little hotter than they normally would have too. So it's like, this is all goes according to plan at the same time. But um, I mean, it's possible it can get away from us. It has before. So I think the the feds don't, I don't think it will, but right. The feds is diamond hands on those low rates. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they, 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 they did, they did say, I think earlier (laughs) this week that um, they would, they would, adjust the levers of of uh interest rates in order to to combat any sudden inflation that they, yeah. they were worried they about so no no really they're taking about. inflation to the moon <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, like my amc some... stocks hi 
<laughs> they took some liquidity out of the market with uh, reverse repos, which is like yep. a collateral loan, but the opposite side of it were reversed. It's just it's complicated and dumb. But um, so I mean, I think that they're thinking about thinking about it. That's like the new term you're, you're going to hear on cable news is they're thinking about thinking about it or they're thinking about talking about it because that's like how Fed mm-hmm. speak works. It's these weird subtleties. But I don't know. I just I, I don't want to say like they have a straight control on it because at the same time they have like a vested interest in running inflation pretty high. They even said like they're, they're going to target like minority groups too now, which means if minority groups make less and they're less employed, you're going to let inflation, general inflation run a lot hotter than it even would if you were just saying let's run it hot because if you're waiting for it to catch up to them in their labor markets. Right. So I, I could see them. Because we haven't really done this. I could see it running out of control, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, I see it as a possibility. I just right. don't think... I'm not sounding any alarm or anything. But I don't want to yeah, just be like, no, hell no, this is nothing. Even though inflation is a lot easier to control than deflation. So this is nowhere near as scary as it would be if we had deflation. So if I had to pick, I would pick inflation. Yep. Um, I, 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 I want to be super neutral on it. That's all I'm trying to say. Spoken like a true Fed follower. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, that's my takeaway, too. I'm not uh, super concerned about it. Call me call me in, like, two or three months, honestly. Like, we're, we're filling a, a giant hole that's going to cause some inflation right there. So I'm not, I'm not terribly worried. Um, but I think we covered this topic pretty extensively, so we should talk about some other stuff. Um, on the agenda today is some – let me go back to my little channel so I'll make sure that I say it. So we have some, uh, let's see, what do we, should we talk about infrastructure? That dovetails pretty well. Um, we got the uh, Belarus journalist that got uh, intercepted. And uh, Republican governors across the U.S. cutting off additional unemployment aid. What's the take? Which one? Uh, I'm down for any of these. I feel like cool. the unemployment thing, could, we could probably get through pretty quickly. And it kind of ties into what we were just talking about. Yeah, true. Yeah. All right. Let's do the unemployment. Let's go for it. Yeah. So, so our, I mean, I'll just, our unemployment numbers are still pretty high. Um, we have 61% of American adults having received at least one vaccination. I think it's over 50% are fully vaccinated at this point. Struggling to remember. The numbers are really good. Suffice it to say. And... You've got a number of states that are no longer accepting the federally subsidized benefits that were augmenting the additional $300 of uh, unemployment. I'm actually kind of okay with this for a couple of reasons. Number one, the reason that it was put in place was to encourage people to stay home if they wanted to or needed to. You know, if people couldn't get out and work or, you know, they wanted to stay home and not work for to protect themselves health-wise, it was meant to do that. That is increasingly no longer necessary. And this is also going to provide kind of a natural experiment where we're actually going to be able to analyze the effects of unemployment econometrically and see what is the actual effect when certain states have this and certain states don't. And I really love being able to have that kind of economic analysis where we haven't in the past. It's kind of the reason, you know, one of the hypothetical reasons why we have this, you know, federalized uh, republic system where we've got all this competition between states who are trying different things. 
we can find out what the outcome is going to be. And given some of the long-term things that we're talking about for unemployment, universal basic income, that kind of data I think is going to be useful. So uh, I, I don't really blame governors for, for doing it at this point. You know, I, I'm, I'm okay with it, which is maybe a take that not everyone likes. So uh, just for vaccination rates, uh, 163.9 million people, uh, just shy of 50% of the population, have had at least one dose. And 130.6 million, which is about 40% of the population, are fully vaccinated. But that's, half of, that's over half of all adults. So, you know, not taking, you know, children into account, you know, we're, right. you know, making good progress. We're not not there to herd immunity yet. Primarily, it seems due to children not being vaccinated yet. But we are, like Art said, we are doing really well. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I to, to chase this point about the unemployment and not really caring, I, I get it, but I don't necessarily agree. And that's specifically because I don't think states should be allowed to play with the numbers as much as they are allowed to. I'm not really a huge fan of block grants because a lot of states will do things that aren't meant to be done with these things. But the block grants don't have much in the way of uh, oversight for them. And while each state does have its own kind of you know ec economics going along with it, uh, it it's... I, I just I don't like the, their ability to do that. There's some states that have that have such low like the minimum that you can get for employment is like fifty dollars a week, and then the maximum is like two hundred and fifty. Like there's there's some ridiculous numbers out there that states set for their unemployment insurance. That I just think it, it's not really right to do. And so in those states, <laughs> these are the same states that are cutting the three hundred. And so you're taking somebody that might be getting you know, maybe $500 um, or not 500, like $500, $500 total from the, the federal government or, or lower from the federal government. And then being, being basically put, put to the winds because not every state also has the same employment numbers going. So I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. What's uh what's your thought, Mateo? I'm kind of neutral on it. I mean, is that your theme of the day, neutrality? I guess I was going to say... <laughs> You're always yeah. neutral, dude. Well, I lost so much money today that I'm just... There's no more <laughs> dopamine and norepinephrine up there. So I'm just kind of out. Um, no, I mean, there's an argument that paying people more than they otherwise would make to do absolutely nothing is enticing compared to, you know, just sure. whatever job they normally had that paid less than that. Um. But at the same time, there is a risk to holding off to the last end because, as you see now, there are companies raising their wages. They're also yep. they're trying to do something a little more temporary by offering bonuses because you raise the wage, that's forever. You give them a bonus, that's you know just Work for a couple months. Get a free iPhone. Yeah. Well, no, they're giving out some cash bonuses and shit now too. Yeah, so. I know. That's just one of the signs I saw. But come on, please. Yeah. So I mean. It's also got a good effect there because you're getting some wage inflation, and that's yeah. kind of what we are looking for. We've been looking for since like 2008. So there's yeah, there's there's a lot of angles I can see that are good. But if let's say you have a struggling labor market, like the labor market's really tight, and like Chase said, like it it was no uh, mystery that these were designed to keep people home. So if you're in, in uh, a state or a municipality where you need these workers, and let's say the vaccination rate is I don't know, whatever. I'm not even sure what the CDC says is the good rate. But if it's there, you have an incentive to kind of cut back on that unemployment. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I can agree. I can agree with that to an extent. I just I just don't like states having the ability to mess with it so much like they can deny that aid. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, just I mean, it's just one of those things. Government kind of like reach them more directly if they wanted to. I feel like that would bypass. I, a lot I, of the- I don't think so with the way that the unemployment insurance program is set up, but well, I'm BCI not entirely sure. Be, be not entirely creative, sure. Maybe. Hopefully. So. I don't know. I just, well, the, federal, the federal government, well, it would require new legislation. Yeah, the federal the government too. could effectively yeah. do a UBI, like instead of doing the, you know, we got those COVID relief payments or we mm-hmm. got cash payments. The federal government could do a UBI. I'm not sure about the legality of doing it specifically right. to target unemployed people because that may run afoul of the constitution. But yeah, I see what you're saying. That is something that is for people who are way smarter than I am to figure out. Well, yeah, I mean that's just a question of passing legislation which we don't do anymore in America. So, if we yeah. can't do it through reconciliation, it ain't going to happen. Which I think leads us to yeah, that's, that's, that's a great it's a great segue. We're going to go right into infrastructure everybody. Yeehaw. So uh, I think we did cover the the unemployment cuts to the uh, various federal, uh, various states that are happening. These are mostly these are all Republican states. Um, but this does do a good segue to talk about the infrastructure bill to give a little bit of clarity for people that might not be paying attention to news as closely as us. Hence, you're being here. Um, they uh, the Republicans have since their initial proposal of of I believe it was like four hundred billion dollars being spent on infrastructure have raised it to $928 billion after Biden had lowered it from 2.1 trillion to, I believe 1.7. Lowers. Get the number correct. Uh, yeah, I believe it was 1.7. Yep. 1.7 lowered it to 1.7 from the 2.1. Um, so there is that now. What does this what does this say? Does this say that Republicans are actually willing to bring numbers up? Because it looks like a pretty good face for, on the on the surface. Um, the Biden White House had announced today that they themselves are still reviewing the plan because it just came out. I think it was late last night. Um, so generally, not enough time to actually view it. Um, and so, yeah, what what are you guys' thoughts about about the the back and forth on this negotiation? Should we be including the things uh, that are in the Biden plan as infrastructure, or should those be separate items? Uh, what's your take? You know, there was a point at early on in COVID where you're like, well, I mean, surely Trump's going to do something, right? Like, I know that he's trying to pretend this isn't happening, but you know, you think he's not just going to let this go. Like, this is going to destroy his presidency. And then, like, the longer things went. And you even had like, a, you know, that one point where they were thinking about doing like a like, a, you know, stimulus right before the election, like free money. And you're like, well, surely he's going to do something. He doesn't want to lose the election. All he has to do is do anything like just wave your arms and make something ha- like anything like just d- just stop just sitting there doing nothing. And yet Trump. Like a champ did nothing as hard as he could and lost the election. And you're like, wow, I guess he really was going to do nothing. That's amazing. And now Biden's doing the same thing. He's just sitting there in the White House. just like. Well, we should really be bipartisan. And the Republicans obviously have not only no interest in being bipartisan, but they're fully incentivized to do nothing. But they win by doing nothing and he loses. So he's like, huh, I guess we'll just all do nothing. Like maybe like maybe they'll change or something will happen and then we will do things. But 
you know, certainly he's not going to do them on his own. So it's just it's shocking to see like two presidents in a row just decide, you know what? I think nothing's the way to go. Let's just uh, let's just ride this out and uh, just see where nothing takes us. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. They are going to pass an infrastructure bill. I, I feel like if they don't, it's idiotic. I mean, that would be like having like infrastructure week every year and never passing an infrastructure bill, which is like the dumbest thing you could ever do. Um, happened. Yeah, I know. That's, that's I know. That's, that's the joke. That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're gonna pass something. I know that some of the things in here Republicans are arguing are not infrastructure. They're arguing that paying for childcare is infrastructure. They're arguing that paying for preschools is infrastructure. I feel like Democrats are saying the same thing too. Well, some like saying childcare is infrastructure. I feel like that's just a almost like a Rorschach test of saying, you know, I care about women. It's not infrastructure. It's important, and it should be something we beef up. But throwing that in an infrastructure bill, and we're like, oh, we need these bridges. It's it's insulting, I think. I mean, especially when people are just like, nah, man, that's, that's infrastructure. I, I think you're not delegitimizing it if you're saying it's not infrastructure. I feel like a lot of people don't want to be caught downplaying the importance of these things, so they just want to include it. It, it should I mean, be noted. I, I, I would just argue it's not physical infrastructure. It's social infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, one second though. Let me, let me just break in real quick. So it's being billed as an infrastructure bill, but at the same time, it's called the American jobs act. So they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, but go ahead. Mateo. That's true. Well, I think chase, were you done? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I mean, you could, you could probably persuade me into calling it infrastructure too. I mean, that's not really going to be difficult, but you got a lot of like, middle democrats and definitely republicans i mean even if republicans wanted it to be infrastructure there's a lot of incentive there to just pretend it's not right like you're you're gonna have to define the word with them like i mean is that even still included i thought biden got rid of a lot of that stuff though yeah Uh, some of it i'm doubting myself now i gotta keep (laughs) up on this stuff more no the the child the child care things are still included in it i think the amount of money being dedicated to it has has lessened as well as Full pre-K, um, fully funded pre-K, fully funded. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm blinking. Uh, community colleges, that sort of thing. Problem are too with like labeling labeling this as infrastructure when like the common use of the word right. usually relates to things that are crumbling literally right now under our cars on our commute to work. See, I just I, I think, maybe. I think. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry. I think Chase. I'm probably about to say what you were about to say. I think ultimately there's sort of a new definition of infrastructure, like because there's so much new technology and things going on. Like we've got the internet, got electrical grids. Well, that yeah, I'd call that absolutely. That's. Um, but my my favorite part of the the bill is the 37 billion that they're using to bolster the U.S. semiconductor industry. Oh, that's so like huge. A, like can, can we put a pin in that? Can we circle yeah. back to that? I would, yeah, call, that I would call that national security even. Yeah. yeah. I want to let's put a pin in that because I want to follow up on Mateo's thoughts first. But um, the when I think about infrastructure and this is I've thought about it this way for a long time. And I learned to think about it this way when I considered myself a conservative and a Republican, where I think of infrastructure as things that we invest in for long-term economic growth. So quality education, in my opinion, is part of American infrastructure because without quality education, the U.S. loses economically in the long term. Investing in things like childcare may not feel in your gut like infrastructure, 
But what it enables is for tons of especially women, but really women and men to go into the labor force. The single largest uh, child care system that we have is the public school system. And that enables so many people to go and work in the economy that it's absolutely absurd. So I, I like I know that it's kind of a broad definition of infrastructure, and I understand that there's a difference between physical infrastructure, cables in the ground, bridges, roads. But the net effect of making sure our roads are good and making sure that people have access to education and childcare, I think that the net effects are kind of the same. And that's why I think that they're really should be viewed in the similar light. I mean, they're I definitely similarly important. Like, like I said, I, I'm not trying to downplay. I'm just trying to say it would be probably prudent to separate the two because this comes down to really the relative, uh, relativity of diction because like you're like, not you're like Democrats are like, we need infrastructure and Republicans are like, hell yeah. And they're both saying two different things. Yeah. So in a pluralistic society, we kind of have to trim it down. And if this is really causing an outroar among not just, you know, the opponents who are, it's their job to oppose us. It's also people who are with us kind of, because I think, um, what is it? Mansion? Uh, who else is already Cinema. speaking out against it? Cinema. Wait, she, oh yeah, no, she definitely I think did. she did. There, there's a couple of them and they're, kind of stars too it's weird but um well mansion and cinema are they're the most moderate so they're always in the <laughs> that's, limelight yeah that, that's right. yeah. the 50 50 senate they're always going to be in the limelight true and good good for them you know um God, kirsten cinema i wish i could dress that good that's all i want to say about kirsten <laughs> her, her name is not Kristen. You know who you are, everybody who keeps saying Kristen. Yeah. it's not Kristen. <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised about me sorry <laughs> Uh, we do, um, but go but, ahead. Uh, looping back around to the semiconductor thing, yeah. yeah, like I don't know, is that infrastructure? I don't care. It is a national security issue. We should speaking, absolutely yeah. have a thriving semiconductor industry in the okay. United States. And if we ever, ever want manufacturing to like be okay, to be clear, we manufacture more in the United States right now than at any point in history. But if we want more manufacturing jobs in the U.S., we need to bring more of that supply chain back, and you got to start somewhere. Yeah, I mean, but this is a temporary issue with the uh, the microchips because they had to go into uh, millions of vaccines. So I'm just glad someone was willing God to say it. Damn it! <laughs> it's, about, it's about time. Oh. Uh, damn That's it! Excellent, actually. Oh my. God, <laughs> Chase, Chase got out of his seat. Everybody, that was perfect. Um, I was I, so not expecting that. Yeah, end of that I was. I was expecting something so serious and real. Well, because yeah, it, this is a temporary. Like, oh my god, just because it is temporary. That's what makes it so good. You're like, oh, okay, where's he going? And then it's like, the veins. <sighs> So to to the temporary uh, point and what Mateo brought up earlier about uh, it being a, uh, a defense issue, um, China has been playing fuck fuck games with the the semiconductors, and so we have that as a, as an issue. And yeah, I don't know if this is something that's necessarily temporary, or if it's something that we should definitely throw money into. I think it's I, I lean towards the latter. Um, well, it's both, I say, like it's a. Uh... Globally, the semiconductor shortage is a temporary thing because of... Okay, fair. But as far as the American problem, 
domestically, we've been moving away from production for like yeah. two decades now. Yeah, true. And Chase actually brought up earlier the just-in-time uh, accounting yep. practices. That's what all these car companies are doing. They they don't keep any extra chips on their side that they need. Nope. Meanwhile, like Chinese practices, I think they're a lot more. You know, shortages are more close in the memory of their past. So they actually had stockpiles anyway. Like they didn't do that just in time mm-hmm. thing like we did, or at least to the well, extent. And even did. if they do, the two factories are down the road from each other. Yeah. So yeah. so they can figure it out. We don't have that yeah. luxury. Yeah, that's the main thing. The last number I saw was the U.S. makes less than five percent of the world's supply of semiconductor chips. Whatnot. Yeah, it's pretty weak. Mm-hmm. There's no it, reason that, that that's, should be the that's case. way too low. Like, if we somehow got cut off from the outside supply, we would be yeah. screwed. Well, labor. That, that's some Ricky numbers. These these companies sell globally, so if their inputs are super high because you know Intel was paying their workers a ton, yeah, it's going to naturally make them less competitive. That happened with uh like magnesium i think yep. we we try to protect magnesium miners which is you know a noble idea you don't want them domestically losing their jobs but at the same time all the outputs had to adjust somehow either using inferior metals or raising the price and it's just not a that recipe old, for success good old supply and demand capitalism it's uh, a it, shit show really it's 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 we the thing is U.S. right now is still the leader in like the technological development of a lot of these things. Like the value addition is still happening in the United States, but we are rapidly losing that edge, especially in emerging technologies. And I'm specifically want to highlight artificial intelligence, which is the number one True. long-term national security threat to the United States, in my opinion. And the second one is green and energy and green technology. Both of those are going to be absolutely massive industries. And the Chinese government has no qualms about investing billions and billions and billions of dollars into those industries. They want to win those industries desperately because they know what it will do to their economy. And the U.S. used to be the country whose government would fund all of those emerging industries to make sure that we would win. And that's what I think is a, an understated part of this infrastructure plan that I wish Biden would talk about more is that the investments in green energy aren't really about making us, you know, compliant with the Paris Accord. That's a nice side effect. They're really about kicking China's ass. And we yep. need to focus on that. And that should be the talking point. Unfortunately, Democrats can't sell a fucking, couldn't sell their way out of a paper bag. So, you know, this is what we have is bad talking points, but it's important. Like we need to do this stuff. Democrats couldn't sell Molly at a fucking fish concert. So. (laughs) Wow. Jesus. That's fucking true. Damn. We talk literally. It's like a trope on this fucking show that we talk about how bad every freaking tagline (laughs) is that the Democrats use. Like it's so bad. The optics are always terrible. They always highlight the wrong shit. Like, there are so many good things going on and they're never willing to call a spade a spade or sell things for what they are like sell things based on what people care shit care about. Like call people out for when they're, when they're, you know, saying BS, like I just don't get it sometimes. And Biden's actually doing a better job than a lot of people. He's just, That's you know, naturally boring. <laughs> it's true. Well, let's just throw, you know, like the example you put out there. Like, I think that there's different ways to, to kind of look at, um, let's say, for instance, green energy. You know, if the Chinese make better solar panels than us, we could buy their solar panels. We could reverse engineer them. Like, there's 
a certain amount of advantage where you know it's not like we're losing you know in like you know missile precision or something to them like that it's it's actually fine no matter who does it as long as it gets done like the fact that they're working on it's wonderful and we should be doing it, it more as well and i agree that we should be in the lead as we used to be you know things like ai they have a bit of an advantage because there's not as much institutional resistance like say for instance like like telemedicine or uh, like you know medical ai you have very wealthy interests in the United States that don't want that. They have human doctors that have jobs. You have, you know, insurance. You have this whole kind of setup that's actually going to put the brakes on certain types of innovation because it's bad. And as opposed to like truck drivers who can't really stop the automation of trucks, you have certain industries that are going to fight. I mean, even looking at, um, let's say, like manned fighters, like the Air Force has an officer corps that's built off of having manned fighters. It'd be more efficient to have unmanned fighters that don't have to have a human in the cockpit. You know, they could do maneuvers that a human couldn't survive. You, know, you just don't need humans, but you still have this deep institutional, uh, you know, and because of democracy and because of just how we operate in an open society, uh, you have these different factions that are able to kind of push for their own interests. In China, you're not going to have that. You know, the government's going to say, we need AI to do this. It's going to be as efficient as possible. We're going to go balls to the wall for it. And it's going it's, it's to be the best. That's a problem with things like AI, because you really don't want to be number two in that race. So I, I think that really, you know, it's too bad we don't have more people in the U.S. government, you know, in the leadership level that, you know, can successfully operate their own email and Twitter accounts, much less like understand technology. Because the Chinese, if you go to like their big cities or you, you go to like their their officials, like these are people with like hard science degrees, like STEM degrees are, are running like major Chinese cities or operating their uh you know, they're big institutions uh, or, you know, levers of government. And we we suffer for that. And we're going to suffer in the long run. And, you know, that's going to become more and more apparent in the next couple of decades. Yeah. Just whatever whatever you say are just don't take away Top Gun from me. Like, you know, we need more movies that, like, normalize homoeroticism among straight N- Not only am I not taking away, I'm giving you Top Gun too. Yep. <laughs> Brought to you we- by AI technology. <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun 2 is just a bunch of drone pilots in like a server room. <laughs> right, right. Oh, they're, re- they're remaking uh, that it, movie Stealth from back in the day. In, instead, instead of Tom Cruise, it's some, it's some, it's a couple of uh, fat kids in a <laughs> lawn chairs. They have two screens, and one of them is World of Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, uh, if you have a you... second, play this video. Sure. Uh, just before I do that, let me get in some of these comments. So we have, uh, again, Rotten Pizza saying that uh, the average American, like themselves, considers infrastructure only in the physical sense. People who think thinking roads and bridges. So that goes to Mateo's point. I should acknowledge that that is probably true. Like, I'm, I'm saying what I think, but I'm most people probably only think of yeah, like back in the day, we called it the social safety net, and that's fine. I mean, like I said, mm-hmm. I don't think it's less important because we don't, you know, right. include it with like we really need bridges. Like it's not even like yeah. it's so bad that we should have just a standalone bridge thing. Like ten years, it should be like clockwork. Yeah, it, it's it's really bad, especially like in the Northeast. Like if you look at so I think I talked about it before. If you look at it county by county, you can't really make out which state is which till you get to like New York, and it's just the shape of New York is all bright red, like danger. <laughs> Yeah. It's some places are so bad and I don't know. It's oh. just, you, you're not going to convince Republicans and centrist Democrats of a lot of that stuff. I feel like oh, you're right. Well, and to be fair, there are t- like 
we desperately need you're right physical infrastructure our needs cannot be understated it's decrepit when you look at like the dc area the federal government used to commit to giving lots of money to improve like the dc metro and dc maryland and virginia just gave up on waiting for money from the federal government and have tried to put their own money into it to string it along because the federal government has been so unreliable in providing funding for it that it was like decrepit and unreliable for like a decade. So we're in, and that's in DC, like the nation's capital. So it, it's you a bad sign. Need, Things are bad. Another, we need another compromise of 1877. <laughs> that That's actually, it's a joke. It was a bad one. It's, now a that bad I think joke. It. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's basically what led to the South being allowed to be pieces of shit all over again. Like basically it, it stopped reconstruction. Yeah. Oh. We need it the opposite way. We need reconstruction. Yeah. So that's why it was a joke. Yeah. yeah. I realized I couldn't remember com- what that was. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh, yikes. <laughs> I had to Google it just to make sure I even had the right reference. I just. <laughs> Not our actual position, everybody. But uh, to, <laughs> to, to the, the point that they brought up, um, I think this is something that we could talk about extensively. I don't know if we should, um, but if I was Biden, I would say I would go to Republicans and be like, if you can get me 10 votes to make this bipartisan, I'll take $1.1 trillion. But it has to be 10 Republicans to vote for it or five, five in the five in the Senate to get me it to get me to 55. And it has to pass. It can't be filibustered. And then 10, 10 or 15 or so in the in the House. I or else I'm going to go through to just like somehow make it sound like it's them who did it like. Make them feel like, oh, look at this infrastructure bill we did just right. like to this get it This is the problem passed. is that you, you alluded to this before, but the Republicans just pretend. Republicans yeah. pretended to be responsible for the last COVID relief bill. Yep. And something like 40 yeah. or 50 percent of Republican voters believed believe that the last COVID relief bill was the result of Republicans, even though 100 percent of them voted against it. And I think so like, how do you how do you overcome too. that? I think you have governors out there kind of like touting their success, which is based off something like, or not governors, uh, Congress people based Congress off something people, that yeah. they voted against or at least yeah. pretended to be well, against at the very least. Well, I got that amendment in there. And so I do say, sir, that you must give me credit. We're bringing pork thing. back. You know, right? I voted so against it. Actually, that might be what we need. Say, well, I just love pork I mean, spending or whatever this, you want to call it. It's true across the board. Like it was true of the COVID relief. You've got people out there saying, look at Texas. Texas is doing so great. Their numbers are way down. It's like, well, yeah, because the federal government has vaccinated everybody. Texas didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> yep. I, I will say that uh, on that front, though, Texas did do the rollout of the vaccines better than some other states. Yeah. The states were uh, partly responsible for that. Texas got in it early and it's been going pretty well. Now, some counties in Texas have been worse than other counties in Texas, but with that said, it's been pretty pretty decent. So, not sure I'd give Abbott or Governor Abbott. Credit I mean, Texas that, has yeah. always been really good at moving fluids around, so it kind of makes sense. <laughs> true, true. Um, well, I think we covered infrastructure fairly well. Um, covered it pretty extensively too. I hope everybody enjoyed that little segment. Uh, we have a couple more things that we should talk about. Uh, do we want to talk about the new discourse on Twitter that's still going on and it's been two weeks? Do we want to talk about John Cena apologizing or and Mark Ruffalo apologizing? Or do we want to do a little news of the weird? Well, that sounds kind of weird to me, but sure. What, John what you got? Cena apologizing is kind of weird. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, kind of. I don't know if I'd count it. Let's do let's do John Cena and then we'll do the the random news of the weird clip. So, who knows about who knows about this? What what Maybe. happened? Did anybody want to do the recap? Did he pretty much state the official stance of every single country other than like the Vatican and like maybe Chad? Uh, Taiwan's not a country. Yes. Yeah, that's but the, the reason that he apologized, let's be real. Why did he apologize? No, oh, because no, he, he apologized. Taiwan's a country. Yeah, he said that Taiwan is a country. Uh, yeah, he wants to operate. He wants to sell his products in there and everything. There you that's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. I doubt he like, he's like, oh, my morals. I betrayed my own sense of Chinese identity. I'm pretty sure he just misspoke and didn't know any better and he said that Taiwan was a country oh absolutely that's how it first started because how many people especially regular Americans given what they see you know what little news they do watch on like CNN or something you're going to think Taiwan's its own country especially now so I mean he he didn't mean it as like a political stance he wasn't taking Uh, China just China just gets super super butthurt about this to the point that they force international organizations to not call they force it every international organization to call it Chinese Taipei they won't let them call it you know anything close to a country or a state because of Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so just as kind of a funny thing, one of the reasons why they're kind of extra butthurt about it is that uh, he actually speaks Mandarin. He studied it on his own. Oh, I didn't he learned that. Yeah, he learned. Oh, he like wow. got okay. uh, literally just had like a tutor, flashcards, a whole nine yards, and just thought it'd be cool. So like he actually wow. weirdly, if you ex- like consume a lot of Chinese media, if you're studying Chinese. You, we would be very, very quickly made aware of how omnipresent and insanely sensitive and butthurt they get over the whole Taiwan issue. Like, there, there's no avoiding it. It's just, it's not, it's the kind of thing where they probably took it really personal because he does, even like when he like had his mm-hmm. recorded thing, you know, he's got the normal gringo accent that a lot of, you know, like uh, Americans that learn Chinese will have, but he's actually pretty decent. So he was able to explain himself, you know, in a, in a passable way. And uh, I think just the fact that, uh, you know, they probably has heard him speak Chinese in the past and it came up, they probably just got really offended and they'd really just drop the hammer on the, the corporate side. And, you know, he wants to make money. So same thing with like, uh, you know, we we're talking a minute ago, but I think you mentioned Mark Ruffalo, who apologized over his uh, comments of, uh, regarding Israel. True. And because uh, he had mentioned that he thought that there was a genocide taking place and then uh, backed off on that. Surprising because yeah, he's kind of a, a big lib, but uh, you know, you, I mean, he said it before I, I too. I don't know yeah, that they, those. I don't know that these two things are exactly comparable. I, I, okay, let's let, let, let's do. No, I'm with you, kind of. No, no, I, I get you. But wait, the wait, reason behind it. Wait, who's asking Rafal to apologize? Is it people no, he, saying you're a Nazi? Or no, yeah, no, he, you know, he, got, he just got actually... lit up on Twitter, but you know, it got, it's, oh, okay. it's basically you've got a lot of uh, fan base that you don't want to offend, and you have yeah. you know, money that you're trying to not lose. So in both yeah. of their cases, like, no, the Chinese are different because long term, they're going to get to the point where they're going to pressure companies, they're going to get people f- like, you know, you, we joke about canceled, but like, they're, they're going to reach anywhere on the planet to go after journalists, uh, you know, any public figures Back. that speak out against them. Like, the, they are by design going to get to a, a point where they can pressure anyone anywhere who says anything negative about them and this is just a problem that we have to face i, yeah, I do I mean, want to go ahead go ahead they're Justin. absolutely doing it just to be clear there are 14 countries that recognize taiwan right 
Guatemala being the largest by population. I was going to say. I mean, the list isn't exactly impressive because it does include like St. Kitts and Nevis, Palau, Tuvalu, Nauru, and the Vatican. (laughs) Um, But, you know, Honduras and Paraguay and Nicaragua, it's like a lot of Latin To be fair, Congress did sue Jimmy Carter over uh, uh, annulling our mutual defense treaty with Taiwan. So, I mean, we have something with them, but it's just... Well, it's oh, actually, no, like, that's a different the, conversation. the reality is that Taiwan is like quasi independent. They have a lot of their own systems in place. Oh, they have yeah. their own governance. They're self-governing. China, China just really hates the idea that it's not Chinese to the point that when I flew into China, they literally don't even let Taiwanese people go through like the normal like line, like to have their passport checked. They have a separate line for Taiwanese residents because they don't want them wow. to feel like foreigners. Like they want it to be distinct. It's super, super, super weird. So, and the reason that I say that this isn't exactly the same as Mark Ruffalo is because John Cena basically just like acknowledged reality and apologized for purely commercial reasons. Whereas Mark Ruffalo said something that is complicated at a complicated moment and regretted it. And I don't think it was necessarily for commercial reasons so much as I I just, I don't think they're exactly comparable. One was more grassroots. The other one was state led pretty much. And you know, one obviously speaks to the fans more than the other, or at least in democratic areas. So here, here's, here's my, my issue with this. And this is my understanding. So I could be wrong. I could be getting my facts uh, incorrect here. So take it with a grain of salt, please. Uh, my understanding is that Mark Ruffalo has been on this. They're doing genocide thing for a couple of years now. Oh, that's and good. That's hilarious. Then. So at least that is getting back my, to the fall. The specific tweets he apologized for were in the fall. Oh, well, it was in the fall. Cool. And I think, but I think that he's mentioned similar things in 2018 and, and called it the apartheid state and all this other stuff. Um, and the timing of it is very similar to what's going on with John Cena and Fast and Furious because Fast and Furious isn't made for America people. It's made for the foreign market. Those movies do wonderful in, in Southeast Asia. Like it is just, it is insane how well the fast, fast, uh, fast and furious franchise does internationally. Like they're camping movies to us, but these are like grand fucking like, that's great. Americana. Yeah, great A Americana, great action movies. Like we're talking, we're talking that it dwarfs the amount of money they make stateside. Completely dwarfs. And, it for and, and China literally limits the number of foreign films allowed yeah. into the country each year. And if you yes. piss them off, they will just straight up block them, <laughs> exactly. which means a loss of millions and millions and millions of dollars. Which is which is also why <laughs> why uh, Disney didn't make the uh, the the sage or the. Well, in, in in the in the Doctor Strange movie, didn't make that person Tibetan um, or or Asian. They went with a white, or the white woman with uh, Sweden, um, Sweden, not Sweden. Tilda, Tilda Swanson. Uh, Tilda yeah, Swinton. Swinston. Yeah. So that's why they went with her. One big name. Two, not gonna piss off the, <laughs> the people in, in Southeast Asia. So yeah, Swinton. Thank you. Uh, so that was part of that. And with Mark Ruffalo, there's talks about making a solo Hulk movie to go into the new Marvel Cinematic Universe, the, the 
stage whatever we're in now 50,852 so it's I think it's closer than people want to necessarily admit but I do take Chase's point because people do believe that genocide has a very very specific definition and that requires the the desire to completely wipe out a people whereas with ethnic cleansing it's completely remove them from an area so i can see why people would actually well believe that he, he had a change of heart yeah well yeah. and and people on the is okay one thing we didn't acknowledge last week and maybe we should have is that people are using what israel is doing to spread anti-semitism like that is a thing that is happening. There are people who are basically saying, if you are Jewish, then you're a Zionist, you're aligned with Israel, and therefore mm -hmm. screw you as a Jew. And anti-Semitism has been on the rise. You can see it all over the place online. It's yeah. pretty in your face a lot of the time. And I think it's important to recognize that Jewish people and Israel are not one in the same. And yeah. I think that Mark Ruffalo recognizing that is a okay. Sure. Talking about whether or not Israel is committing genocide. I, and I even last week I said, I'm comfortable calling Israel saying that Israel is imposing apartheid. I think that universal discourse went even further and said that it's genocide. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even call it genocide at this point, but I said the long-term policy of Israel seems to be that it's either going to be a permanent apartheid state or that it right. will inevitably lead to some version of genocide. But we have to be careful with language and not be hyperbolic. It's important to use the right words. And, no, and I 100% agree. I, I, don't, I don't blame Mark Ruffalo necessarily for trying to be as accurate as he can. I don't think that what he believes and like his position is really changing. He's just right. trying to be very specific and very accurate and not inflammatory, which is important. I think it's okay. I think what John Cena did is just dumb and for money, <laughs> but you know what? That's his right to do too. Sure. And, and I, I, th I should, I, you made a good point that I want to, I want to circle back to a little bit is that people are conflating Israel with Jews, but, but and this is not a, a, a hard, but, but this is more like that's coming from, everybody supporters of israel and detractors of israel there i like i cannot tell you how many times i have had conservative people uh, evangelicals jewish people doesn't matter just conservatives in general right come up to me and say that zionism is a part of the jewish identity <laughs> and therefore if you're against zionism you're against jews i've had this said to me directly by thousands of people when well, I'm there's a debates. lot of we do treat jewish people almost as they aren't just people who follow a religion so right. there is room to confuse it but it's like i don't agree with it i'm just saying yeah that i could see you know there being inroads to that type of thinking that we kind of build ourselves yeah that's that's the kind of thing that like not jewish people say like if you know a lot of jewish people mm -hmm. that's a that's a minority position i, I that you have i to would be say inside. that's I would say that's a, a a minority position among liberal Jewish people. I was At least say, my uh, experience online. Uh, yeah, online. I think it's I'm just more of a like conservative it, problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, like in in person, like you know, right? I, I you know, uh, n not because anecdotes or data, but like I right. know a lot of Jewish people in real life, and they're 
I would be shocked if any one of them, you know, had that viewpoint. Like it's just, you know, you online you'll find anything. I mean, online right. you think that like tankies are the left and they're like the Democratic <laughs> Party. Like, what about Curious Joel? So what? there's a lot of them in Curious Joel who will fucking they're Trump all the way over there. Like it's oh yeah, really yeah. weird. Yeah. And but I that's think the there's thing. only one reason why though it's because of the Jewish state thing. It so is. that's why a lot of people. Well, actually, that's not why they tied in. A lot of them, like when someone says I'm a Jew. It's not the same way we, well, not we, I don't think, some of us might be Christians, but a, a Westerner would say I'm a Christian. Right. Like there is a difference there, and we, I think we know it's there. Yeah. So I think that's part of where it's coming from. It's almost like, it's not just like these people are just trying to, like, conflate them for no good reason. I think no, we but, give them that. Yeah, Catholicism is not an ethnicity. I mean, that's... Uh, I yeah, think, no, uh, Jew, Jew, Jewish people are definitely well, an ethnicity, so you're 100% right about that. My, well, not, my whole, well, go ahead. That's, not that's, even that is right, complicated. Right. Yeah, that's like, like, yeah, yeah. Not that's what I'm saying is, no, like, like <laughs> if you say I'm, I'm Catholic, there's, there's no implication beyond being Catholic. Catholic, that, right. That you're Catholic. Like, you, you can be Chinese and Catholic. You can be from, right. you know... Uh, I know uh, atheists who call themselves that is Jewish. Also, it's like, that is also know. true of Judaism. That, that's what I'm saying, though. Yes, I hear a lot of atheists but there's no like, I'm a Jewish. Yeah. Sorry, but if you I say that you're... Myself. Yeah. If you say that you're Jewish, there's also going to be some kind of, at least at some level, you know, an implication that, you know, you are of some kind of, you know, original Middle Eastern, uh, you know, stock of some kind. That's not always the case. It's often not the case. But, you know, th there would be that kind of, you know, stereotypical, you know, perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sense of Jewish, quote unquote, you know, I mean, not to get into like skull measuring or all this, but like, yeah. you, you know, there, uh, I, there, I, get, I get what you're saying. Okay, there, yeah. there is a I don't know how to put this in a correct. We're way. also canceled. We'll say there's there's a traditional <laughs> idea of a Jewish ethnicity. I feel like as in the United States anyway, we're pretty far removed from like that kind of thinking about mm -hmm. Judaism. I know that that is not the case in other parts of the world. There's also a lot of people in the United States who identify as culturally Jewish. And you hear people say this all the time. Like, like I would say I'm culturally Christian. Am I a practicing Christian? Eh. Like, and that's kind of how like most of the Jewish people that I've ever met are. And, um, so there are like all these different layers of what does or doesn't make somebody Jewish, but none of them have anything to do with support of Israel unless right. you ask fucking weirdos, which happens to be fucking weirdos on the right and left. Yes. And, 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 and several of the parties in, I, I would say that the conservative parties in Israel, like the far right ones in oh, Israel, absolutely. will take yeah. those Remember positions as well, which is my that? point. Sorry. But one, one second, just, which is my point though. Like, I think the politics fucks this up a bit <laughs> with it. And that uh, if there, it does it enough where somebody says, like, if I were to say I'm anti-Zionist enough people are like, well, you're anti-Jewish. And I think that that itself, and this was the point that I was, that I was getting at, I think that itself yeah. is anti-Semitic. I think if you're saying somebody Big has time. to be Zionist in order to be Jewish or all Jewish people are Zionist, you're being anti-Semitic. Kind of like Rothschild really Space was... Lasers, huh? <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. Speaking so, of, no, but we're about, actually, I'll tell you guys later. But uh, what were you going to say, uh, Mateo? Oh, no, it's just a Marjorie Taylor Green link I posted in chats, but it's so irrelevant that I stopped myself. But it's oh, okay. fucking hilarious because she's insane. 
she, it's, she made comments about Jewish people. Actually, you should play. It's funny. It's it's a clip from the Colbert <sighs> Report, so you know. It's I don't want to get canceled, so yeah, <laughs> it's, it's making she... fun of her. No, it's, I know. It's making fun of her. Who would cancel you for that? It's a Colbert Report clip. Okay, it's... I will look at it later. I just don't know if I want to put that on the just screen. Just be very given. careful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's just she's been on a roll lately, and there she's has so been nuts. some it's weird so... anti-Semitism from the right, and. I, I mean her her latest tweet about like tracking vaccines is Nazism, and then the video yeah. came out where she said she wouldn't tear down a statue of Hitler. Like, there's <laughs> she's so bad I don't know what's going on there, but I don't blame Anthony for wanting to you know take a step back. <laughs> yeah. She got into a, a beef it's with the Colbert with, Report or yeah, no. <laughs> The, the Late Show or whatever he does now, actually. Now right. Think of it. No, like Ben Shapiro and uh, some other, uh, you know, uh, other you know, right wing, you know, Jewish uh, personalities uh, on Twitter got into her about it, and you know, she was like fighting back against him and just like, Jesus. yeah, like qu- like questioning their support of Israel. Like I, I yeah. don't know, this is it's it's so off the rails. And, you know, it's almost it's almost sad that nobody figured this out sooner. That like. To appeal to the modern Republican Party and to really take the reins of leadership, you just have to go as crazy as you can and just never apologize <laughs> and never back down. And it True. sounds funny, but like, who are we talking about? Like, we're not talking about Mitch McConnell. We're not talking about Kevin McCarthy. Like, any of the people that in theory should be running the party, they're going to have to start like bending the knee to this sort of crazy because it's just like with Trump. Like, you, you get along with it to get along with it, but eventually you find yourself in its wake and you you know, you're no longer the one that's directing the ship. You're now behind yeah. the ship. Like th- this is, they're, they're losing control of the party, the people who are willing to say what the people want to hear and the people want to hear fucking crazy. So, you know, that's, uh, that's a real problem that we're nowhere near solving. No, I, I think that's very much true. Um, I don't, I don't have it, but there's the meme that you were, you were kind of referencing there where it's a Republican party leading the tea party and it's tea party is a T-Rex and then the T-Rex turns into like gets bigger and then eats them. I think that's a perfect <laughs> analogy for that. So I've seen it all over, but I don't have it handy. So, but um, yeah, Wait. I think, I think we've talked about that uh, pretty extensively. Uh, Sean, you didn't, you didn't break in much with this, this topic. Is there anything you want to close out with? Um, yeah, I'm not, I don't have a lot of knowledge or opinions on that particular topic, to be honest. No, that's that's completely Probably fair. Man. Off for it, Marjorie Taylor. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think in your analogy, Kirby is the Tea Party. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to do our little news of the weird segment um, before it gets too late. So let me go ahead and throw that on the screen. Uh, share screen tab, and so this is coming out of Texas. And what we're seeing here is that a woman faces felony charges for forgetting to return Sabrina, the teenage witch, VHS tape 20 years ago. So a woman in Texas received a nasty shock while trying to update her married name. She was a criminal for a crime she didn't even remember committing. In fact, she was guilty of a crime most people of a certain age have probably committed 20 years ago. She forgot to return a VHS tape. Karen McBride, 52, made the discovery during the trip to the DMV. The former Oklahoma resident had moved to Texas and gotten married and needed to update her information. I went to change my driver's license during this COVID thing. You had to make an appointment. They told me that I had an issue in Oklahoma. 
McBride was mystified. She called the number that DMV had provided and was connected to the Cleveland County District Attorney's Office. During the conversation, McBride was floored to learn that she was a wanted felon. So uh, long story short, she uh, she didn't turn in a VHS tape when she uh, was a long time ago with Blockbuster. And so now she is a felon. What does it say about society? Uh, Wait, is she a felon? Did she actually get charged? Was it like a thousand dollars in late fees? Is that what it was? There's, uh, some, there's me, more to this story than, you know, just, whoops, hey, we found this, now you're a felony. I bet well, you it's I like, think if it's we've over made thousand, reasonable pains to contact fun. you for years, woman, and now you're in <laughs> well, trouble. Well, okay, let's, let, like, me, let me just read the pile on top of, of these things. Let me just read the rest of the other show. In 1999, someone had rented a copy of Sabrina the Teenage Witch in McBride's name from an Oklahoma video store called Movie Place. When no one returned the VHS tape, charges were filed. According to court documents, McBride was charged in 2000 for felony embezzlement of rented property. The charges stated that McBride did willfully, unlawfully, and feloniously embezzle a certain one video cassette tape, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, of the value of $58.59. How is that a McBride felony? McBride was stunned. <laughs> not only did she not remember ever renting the VHS tape, but she didn't even like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, well, I, I mean, okay, now I understand why they're charging her. Well, that's just for sympathy, because none of us like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> How dare you? How I dare you? Show. you? Merlin was you the go. only star of that show, and I am not apologetic. <laughs> I was just I was just thinking to myself, I wonder what Melissa Joan Hart is up to, because, I mean, that show was great. I mean, the acting was terrible, and the stories were, were blah, but what a great show otherwise. We need a Clarissa you know, Explains It All reboot. Clarissa Explains It All was the... By a lot. Who's the dude? Whenever he put the ladder up into a window, you'd hear like a whammy bar guitar sound. Oh, what was his <laughs> name? There has to be parodies like galore of that shit. Oh, there there totally is. Uh, uh, let's, off let topic. Me get through, yeah, no, let me get through the rest of this thing. Um, as she absorbed the shocking news, it dawned on her such a thing could have happened. In 1999, she had a roommate. I had lived with a young man. This was 20 years ago, McBride explained. He had two kids, daughters that were 8, 10, and 11. Oh, two kids, daughters that were 8, 10, or 11 years old. Okay. And I'm thinking he went and got it and didn't take it back or something. In fact, the more McBride thought about it, the more other parts of her life seemed to suddenly make sense. Since 1999, she had been fired from a handful of jobs. Her employers had never given her a reason. Now she thinks that her criminal background is why. When they ran my criminal background check, all they're seeing is those two words, felony embezzlement. Fortunately, it seems that McBride won't be a felon for much longer. The Cleveland County District Attorney's Office announced that they would dismiss the case against her. Okay. However, McBride will Thank still Christ. need legal intervention to have the felony charges cleared from her record. That's messed up. That's like the worst part of it. It's like, I mean, she's probably going to get it cleaned up in the long run. But at the same time, I wonder if this was like something where they actually did try to contact her. And she's like, whatever, I don't know what this is. Or if she actually just honestly never moved. knew. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It could be that. If it's that, I feel so bad for her. Like that's just horrible luck. Or I'm, not sorry, even luck. It's just, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was done. I was just kind of rambling. Oh, um, how's it em embezzlement? Don't you have to work for a company and steal money from them? I was trying to find the actual like legal code because it because it's such a tiny amount that I don't understand how it could be. A embezzlement, but like different laws are in differently. So what does it actually mean? Yeah, I mean, in Texas? It, I don't know. Yeah, in, in some states, you just have these wacko laws on the books that you know are rarely enforced. But in theory, if you know, I don't know. The, 
I think someone said that you know the average American commits five felonies a day and doesn't know it. I you think know? if you place <laughs> something in someone's trust, I think that's the line. It, it's probably if if you think about it, it's probably one of those situations where there was a push by video rental places to make it a high crime, so people would return more to the tapes because that's a money lo- loss. FBI warning. It's like a big problem, like all over the yeah. country, that no one's returning the tapes. Like, fuck well, it, yeah. in, at least in Oklahoma, anyways. So <laughs> my mean, grandfather used is, to. But that... Go on. It's, I was just saying nothing. <laughs> oh yeah, my grandfather used to pirate these uh, like movies from Blockbuster. He just thought it was the funniest thing. Like he'd keep leave the FBI warning in there in the front. <laughs> I was just like, I mean, really, like the FBI is going to come bust you over like a copy of, uh, you know, uh, Back to School or something or Top Gun. Like, uh, no, like it's ridiculous. But is this does this give credence to the idea that we have too many laws that are stupid? Does it give credence that um... this is probably a law that covers <laughs> a lot of stuff that needs to be penalized? This is probably just the more absurd end of the spectrum. So I wouldn't say this. This is probably an outlier, I would say. I, I have a feeling there's a lot of theft of rental properties out sure. there. Like rental <laughs> things. I don't – rental property sounds like housing. So, you know, just but, things. Yeah, so. but, well, while that might be true, like should it, have this been a felony? <laughs> like, yeah, wait. Was, was it a felony? When it was just, w- yeah, was it a felony yeah. at first? And then it just – because I, I could understand after a certain dollar amount, like if they keep tacking interest – then it, sure, it maybe something that, pushes it. But if it was just 58 bucks and they're like, felony. 58 bucks, felony. That's what the article that's, said. That's, that's what I'm weird. sticking to. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's like if you steal like a, a rental bike or something and the bike's like, I don't know, 100 bucks and like they try and make that a felony. Like why why is it not just a $100 fine or right. or, or whatever? Like that seems super misdemeanor to me. But Way back in the day, I, Blockbuster had a stranglehold on the U.S. government. Isn't that funny? How, how now, and, and that leads to, I fully believe, like unironically, that every single law passed should sunset in fifty years, and if you can't find a reason to like reinstate it, it should just go away. That's how we lost That's the, actually the not central bank. Uh, <laughs> Nightmares about that. But okay, okay, two things. Number one jurisprudence is like really useful in like building up a societal understanding of what law means and is so i'm not sure about that but also like we have prosecutorial like you know they have discretion so like in this case the prosecutors just looked at it and were like okay fucking yeah duh we'll just dismiss it like that's whatever like like what who looked at it at first, like, could, was this just some hard ass guy? Like, yeah, don't rent movies if you can't return them. Or was it? I just want to know if there is something more to it. Like, maybe like they did contact her and she's like, suck it, guys. And then, you know, they reported. I don't know. It's just because it sounds so weird. I feel like to actually for someone to go through with that being a felony, it's just a tape. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> right. I mean, it's also really weird that she didn't know. I mean, how can somebody be charged with a felony and just never know? Like, yeah, that indicates to me that, like, the state wasn't very interested in actually pursuing these charges. So, you know, it could be one of those things where, like, somebody writes down. Like, there was one time where I got in a car accident, and the cop literally, on the first, like, sheet he filled out, charged me with, like, six things. I was at fault. So, like, charged me with literally, like, six things, like, driving too fast for conditions, which made no sense to me. A nice, shiny day, but technically you could always be driving too fast for conditions, right? Like, driving too fast for conditions, failure to yield, you know, distracted driving, like, literally six different charges. 
And then like two days later, it comes back to me and I get like one ticket, you know? So I think that maybe this is just one of those cases where something got a little bit lost in the system. She was never informed. It sucks. <laughs> like that maybe this was showing up on background checks for her. Um, you'd think you'd somehow find out somewhere along the way. Like, don't, I feel like it would pop up eventually, but, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I know that there are weird laws out there. Our criminal code is really complicated. I don't really know that this is a condemnation of our criminal code so much as like, maybe we need to have some systems in place to make sure that there are just things lingering in the system for five ever that could be affecting people's lives. I, I think, um, uh, to the, to Art's point about the whole uh, sunset clause, I'd be okay with that, but I'm against it for right now because nothing gets passed in Congress without 60 votes, and so every law would get sunset. And Republicans don't like laws, so there are laws they don't like. They don't like, and so yeah, it would be an issue for that. Um, so I'm not. I'm against it. Uh, fun trivia fact: since we talked about prosecutorial discretion, John Lennon actually created that. So I just dropped a link in all the chats. And uh, you can look it up for yourself. He was uh, about to be deported, and he convinced uh, he he and his lawyer convinced the uh, the the, pro- the prosecution to just not go for it. So go ahead and check it out. Fun little fact. Um. So the only we, good thing that John Lennon ever gave us. <laughs> what you don't like? Imagine. Come on now. <laughs> I just wanted to say something. I wanted to say the most inflammatory thing that I could think of, which was that. Wow. So uh, we've been streaming for about an hour and 50 minutes now. Um, we had a couple of topics that we, we didn't cover. What, which one do you guys want to cover? What's, what's the last topic? Somebody well, just, just, just because this is important. This is just so everyone knows uh, because it's just for the, the good of the world. Um, Syrian president Bashar al-Assad reelected <laughs> with 95% of the vote. Wow. God, pretty, Syria good. and Assad. <laughs> You know, uh, I thought that, the, like, most people had figured out that if you want it to look like a legitimate election, you make it, like, 60-40, but uh, some people haven't gotten the memo yet, I guess. Well, the real They're, memo people need to get is not to say the words, Assad must go, because he's clearly <laughs> not going anywhere. He's like, he's like uh, I don't have a joke for that one, so never mind. There are a lot of things that must happen that never will. <laughs> Facts. No, does anybody I have a story? They... So much, this is just more Assad not going. <laughs> no, it's not. Because we'll it was be here so forever. <laughs> right. It's like the Notre Dame, uh, or not Notre Dame, the cathedral in France when that burned down. It's like, it's, Assad must <laughs> oh, go before. Oh, my after. God. I got a good story that we should talk about that I actually didn't bring up, so I hope people are ready. Um, we have we have two stories. We have the whole kink at pride thing. I think that's been done to death, so I'm, I'm good to skip it. But, it's so boring, and it happens every year, and wait, what normal it? people yes. who touch grass don't talk about it. What, exactly. Wait, what? Oh, there, oh, gosh. There's some, Twitter discor- like- <laughs> there's some Twitter discourse about whether or not kinky people should be fully kinky at pride, because pride is now a family event. Oh, or well, I mean... So, but do you want to talk about it? We can, I mean, but it's been you done. You sometimes see people straight up w- waking, waving dicks around. It's like, yeah, you're going to find a lot of gay people who are just like not cool with that because that's just very weird. Almost in any microculture in America. Uh, they're, they're, okay. I think we can cover this in like a we can minute. Cover it minute. There you go. Yeah. Go like, 
I like, okay, here's the thing. Boom. There are a lot of people who are talking about kink at Pride, who like have never been to Pride, and they're trying to paint Pride as like this sex fest, <laughs> and are trying to paint it as like this horrible kinky shit that's going on in public. And by the way, gay people are pedophiles and they shouldn't be allowed to get married. And I love wedding cakes. Like there are people who are out there saying that that's really not the reality. Yeah. There's some instances at some pride events where people have their dicks out or are wearing, you know, uh, uh, butt plug furry tails in public. That is well, definitely the, the exception the and, worst because i feel like that at least you can't tell it's not like you know they're like oh you can go over experience but but that is the exception and not the rule and the, for sure there are also some the exception I, but, but and I think there that's are just the debate is like well it i there. i i think mm. that there are okay there are pride events where that is not the exception but those pride events tend to be pretty explicit about what they are and yeah. the context kind of matters. If you're showing your tits at Mardi Gras, nobody gives a shit. If you're naked For at sure. Beta Breakers, nobody gives a shit. The context matters. And if your Pride event is open to the public and communal, yeah, you know, you probably shouldn't have a bunch of nudity or, like, really outward sexual things. And it is important for, like, youth to be able to go to those events because you know it turns out that a lot of people experience sexuality in their youth so like there are things to talk about in terms of like what's appropriate and what's not but honestly all the people arguing about it on twitter aren't really solving anything this is largely like a local contextual cultural thing that is not going to be solved by twitter (laughs) No, that I think that's a very good point. And like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. It's been done to death. So um, Hans uh, Hakir, right? That's how you pronounce his. Uh, Hans of Hakir. Yeah. yeah, Hans of Hakir did a, uh, a a debate between some of the bigger Twitch people. Um, he moderated, it, I should say. Uh, so go ahead and just check that out. They did it. They did it more justice with more time than we could. Uh, I don't. I don't want to assume anything, but I'm pretty sure everybody on this panel sits het. So. Um, so that's what I I uh, that's where I'm at with that. White so cishet, please. Oh, white cishet. Yes, true. We're all white. Thank no. you. Uh, uh, yeah, white is self-explanatory. Cisgender meaning uh, you are you identify as the gender <laughs> as your uh, same as you're associated with your assigned sex at birth. Uh, hetero het meaning heterosexual. Uh, not true in my case, by the way. Oh, but uh, okay. Well, I'm sorry very, to assume, but very straight passing. So I'll take it. <laughs> I I I am sorry. I should have asked instead of saying I assume. Um, oh, we all make bad. assumptions about each other all the time. That's part of For life. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm just putting out. I mean, there. you're I the one in flannel. You fucked up, Anthony. You fucked up. I I am a lumber. I I am clearly a lumberjack lesbian. So there you yes. go. <laughs> but. Uh, I think that's we, we, we chase great, uh, great recap of that. Thank you for that. Uh, I think the final thing that we could talk about, and I think this is a big case, is Amazon buying MGM. Oh, yeah, they suck at making so, movies and they gave up. Oh, they should <laughs> they should release uh, those. Uh, what do you call it? The the tapes the, of Trump. The, the tapes of Trump. That's what a lot that. of people have said. That would be uh, such I a think, money maker. But MGM also That's why owns a ton of TV shows too. So, 
But yeah, that's exactly why Bezos bought it. Sorry to talk over the joke. Bezos bought it to release the sex tape of Trump. So we're all going to see that P tape finally, guys. No, I don't uh, think it was but, that. Yeah, I think it was just outtakes of like The Apprentice or something where he just like really embarrasses himself. Or is it the None P-tape? of you should actually watch that video because nobody consented to its release. So shame on anybody that actually goes watch it. Hmm. Anyways. What? But. <laughs> Where are we? Where are we? If Jeff Jeff Bezos owns it, then it's his consent that matters. (laughs) (laughs) But I think this does play into the larger narrative that we've been talking about for several weeks now. This is a a, uh, an issue near and dear to Chase's heart, and it's near and dear to a lot of our hearts about monopoly power and Amazon. Oh, let's talk about it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I was going to say, do you just want me to talk about how we shouldn't be allowing these fucking mergers again? How I say every week we shouldn't be allowing these fucking companies to just buy up other companies, eliminate jobs, and then say, well, prices aren't going up. So I guess it's okay because our antitrust legislation is out of date and we don't enforce it anyway. I I feel like a broken record at this point. It's just another example. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We do have a good... Oh, go ahead, Sean. I was going to no, say, MGM go just seems kind of small. Like, yeah, don't seem that important. Like, that used to be this huge name. They did a lot of the biggest movies, whatever. But now it's kind of like they're almost not that relevant. Yeah, I wouldn't say this is any kind of monopoly thing. This is what Amazon was already doing. Now they just have talent. Like <laughs> this is I, I, that's it is funny, but it, it's it's true because Amazon's known for doing everything in house. Like they're always trying to yeah. just develop everything on their own instead of you know just buying. Oh assets. no, see this that's time, where you're wrong. They don't no. develop anything on their own. They just buy up smaller companies. They bought up yeah. Zappos. Well, they bought up the diaper company. They bought up Audible. They bought up Twitch. They bought, like they okay, just they, buy yeah, and they buy, buy and smaller buy. companies in scale. And what I'm saying is, this was already too scale because they were tr- they probably bought a ton of companies trying to make Amazon Video, but it just wasn't enough. They weren't getting any titles. They weren't making anything. So this is what they're doing now because well, it's easier to buy than develop things yourself, right? So if you're going to do it, Disney bought Marvel. Why not? It could. Oh, yeah. It's probably just costly. And and this is a good... Yeah, this is a good point, too, because uh, maybe it's me on on YouTube said Amazon bought it for the collection. They'll double their investment in five years. Yeah, yeah, it's really just the old stuff, I would say. If if Amazon takes those movies away from Netflix and has them exclusively on Amazon Prime, then that might mean more people get out of Netflix and go to Amazon Prime for the wider selection of movies. And then... There's also the issue of that MGM still makes all the Bond movies and owns all the Bond movies in partnership with the uh, the author's family. Uh, so there's some wrinkles in there, but there is that. Thank God, cutting the cord is so much cheaper. Like is it every is app it is like no, not at all. <laughs> that's a, no, that's a joke. It's like right? you, you get three apps and you're paying as much as you would have for like 500 channels. It's just it it is cheaper if you share it, like everybody does. So yeah. there you go. I only pay for. I only pay for HBO Max. I get Hulu from my uh, my wife's family, and we get Netflix from uh, T-Mobile for free. So there you go. Fifteen dollars a month. I have unlimited watching forever. There you go. I, I don't just, have Disney Plus though. I understand that like vertical integration doesn't feel like it's feeding into monopolies, but it just. It just is like MGM's a huge company. This is a huge acquisition. It's like what nine billion dollars, but Amazon buying up this company 
is decreasing competition in that related marketplace. It's not like increasing competition magically somehow. It's just decreasing competition. And in fact, you say like, yeah, they're going to leverage that catalog and drive people away from Netflix or whoever. Like that's, that could end up being anti-competitive behavior in the long term. Like I've been super critical of Apple for the same thing. Apple keeps buying up these small companies the second that they pose a threat to them. Facebook keeps buying up small companies, even if they think they might be a threat 10 years down the road. And like, I, I just, I just don't like it. And Amazon people like seem to think that it's different because they're like an omnibus company that has their hands in every single freaking pie. But I'll say it again. I am about to live in a neighborhood where my choices for grocery stores are Whole Foods and Amazon Fresh, both of which are owned by Amazon. So anytime Amazon makes an acquisition, it feels icky to me because it's just like, great, another company that is now Amazon. If I wanted to cut Amazon out of my life, I'm literally not sure that I could unless I was willing to spend hundreds more dollars a week. What did uh, regulators say? Because usually they have some sort of say in whether or not something... Oh, they absolutely could. Did they, I mean, did they say anything? Usually there's some sort of requirement or there's a review at least. Well, did, the, did the that current, even go that far? Or is this just all like... I think it not because it's not considered... Um, it's not considered horizontal integration because Amazon's not a video company. <laughs> so yeah, well, this, this, this is the problem is that our current, are. our current antitrust law is written Trash. such that what the FTC, the federal trade commission can analyze is the potential increase of cost to consumers. So yep. they're going to look at this and say, is there going to be an increase of cost to consumers? And Amazon can yeah, say, well, no, in fact, it'll probably be a decreased cost because people are already paying for Amazon prime and now they're going to get all this shit for free. Yep. So, when they look at that, it's hard for them to justify. Our antitrust law is just out of date. But we also just haven't enforced it at all. So uh, Sprint and T-Mobile merged last year, the year before, which made us go from four big cell carriers to three. And there has already been a ton of movement in terms of like pricing. Yeah. Things have gotten less competitive. Things are actively bad, but they were still able to justify the industry and say, prices aren't going to go up. We're going to be able to do all this infrastructure investment, blah, blah, blah. It's mm-hmm. just never true. The consumer always loses when there is less competition. And mm-hmm. it might not feel like we're losing, but in the long term, that's what's happening. But isn't that the price thing then? They lose because they're paying more, right? Yeah, Wouldn't and then the, what they have to look for, or is it well, too late? It's it's hard for them to analyze because how do you know that ten years from now prices are going to be way higher as a result of Amazon acquiring MGM? Yeah, it's true. There's so many variables. Like, it's our law is just not equipped to deal with this. It's just not. But yeah, we get free yeah. two day shipping, which is great. I mean, hey, that's the that's cheaper. But to to Chase's point about everybody owning everything. I don't know. Can you guys see that? I love I love <laughs> the this seven, shirt. The seven companies that own the world. So put put uh put Disney in there and Amazon now. So yeah. Just to go towards the point again. And AT and T is starting to buy up companies too. In there. 
Sure. I mean, sure. There's a lot of cheap products in there, but that's the point. Like, do you care about, do you only care about cost or do you care about political power and the ability to manipulate the market? But when it comes to our antitrust laws, there are a lot more things than just price. I'm pretty sure. I don't think all those companies could just buy it up. Like uh, what, what's the, the whole analogy? If Coke owned the roads, they couldn't tell Pepsi not to go on them. Uh, that's kind of not true actually, because I mean, not exactly true because like when AT&T bought HBO, right. They were able to give all of their customers free access to HBO, but charge if you were streaming Netflix as an example. So because, because AT&T owned the road in their case, your cell phone, uh, they were able to ensure that they had a competitive advantage when you're using the thing that they own versus something they don't own. Yeah. And the it same is thing is happening with Amazon. This. AT&T yeah. has competitors, though. They don't own the road. They compete with others. Like, by analogy... Yes, by, but now it's three... There's only three telecommunications companies, and not, they're going to yeah. end up... No, that's not gonna, the problem. That's not contradictory it's, to what I'm it's saying. Op, it's oligopoly? Oligopoly. Yeah, oligopoly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, they're, but in the case of something like AT&T, an oligopoly is completely permissible. Because the barriers to cost are so high, like you're going to have naturally natural monopolies anyway. The way around that is you just regulate them more intensely, which we tend to do. Like when it comes to like utility companies, there's a lot of government oversight in there, mm-hmm. and a lot of government involvement. I I just don't think they're to the point. Like unless you're talking about like Amazon, when it comes to just Amazon Web Services, maybe these days it's changing a lot more. But like back in the day, Amazon like owned the cloud space. Like basically Home Depot, yeah. everyone who competed with them had to be customers of Amazon just to have some sort of web hosting. Well, it wasn't that bad. There was others, but it, Amazon was the bulk of it. And it, I don't think... I, I just I just want to know, do you care about cartels? Like, if, if everybody carves up the map and says, I won't go into your territory and we'll all, we'll all, be, we'll all be good, that's not monopoly. That's oligopoly. I can't pronounce it. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, just and like do you care about the auto that? industry like, is oligopoly too. Exactly. But do you yeah, care? Do you care about the cartel. fact that do you care about the fact that, you know, this is possible? These companies have so much political power that they can write the laws if to their favor. If they're divvying up territories, that's explicitly anti-competitive. So, yeah, I would be against that. I mean, that's but what about like the lobbying and everything else? Laws. Lobbying? Yeah, lobby. Go ahead. Okay. I don't care about lobbyists. Yeah. But I, I think I think Health that's food the people lobby, too. If you want to. But I'm so thinking. Close. But but I think. You know, Chase is more focused on, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Chase. I don't want to speak for you. Um, Chase is more focused on the political, uh, political well, capital and power it's, argument. It's a, it's a little bit of everything. So, monopoly. so when these companies become more integrated, they inherently need less people to do the same work, right? So you are decreasing jobs. You are making these companies less accountable to government because they tend to become more multinational, which means they can get away with doing a lot more things. Yeah, they tend to get a lot more political influence, yada, yada. But I really honestly just think that it ends up harming consumers, not even necessarily in just like direct cost ways that like we observe in like the price of goods. But like Apple having a huge amount of market power allows them to do all kinds of shit, like charge 30% to anyone who wants to do anything on their app store. And, you know, basically brick their phones after a few years. So you have to go out and buy a new phone and they get away with that. And I like, yeah, AT&T has some competition, 
But I'm saying that they are using the people who are they're using the the roads that they own, right? In this metaphor, to incentivize use of the other things that they own, which, in my opinion, is anti-competitive, and our government hasn't done anything about it, and they have limited capacity to do so under the current law. Is there some stuff they can do? Yes, but it's really hard for them to justify. And I go back to the T-Mobile and Sprint merger because this was literally decreasing market competition. It was going from four to three. And they argued that they would you know, be able to better do infrastructure investment and whatever, but there were already only four companies. So going from four to three really changes the dynamics of what is required. And there really hasn't been solid evidence to show that that is going to result in massive infrastructure investment as a result of the creation of this merged company. But it is going to very likely have detrimental effects on customer choice and quality of access and service. I mean, look no further than every internet service provider who has a monopoly in a city. Like, when there's no competition, the service sucks. That's why everybody fucking hates Comcast forever. That would be an example of, like, a natural monopoly, though, because the alternative... It's not well, actually, natural. That's the problem. It's, it's usually not monopoly. natural. It's called a natural monopoly. I, no, 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 no. The, the, the specifically cable companies are not natural monopolies because oh. they've leveraged governments in order to make it where they can't have competitors move in. Yeah. As far as cable is concerned. So they literally yeah. divvied up the map and said that we won't move in on I each other's territory. An, a natural monopoly is when the government kind of lets you be an ol oligopoly or a monopoly. No, because, a natural yeah, monopoly well, is a natural monopoly is like a hospital builds in a town and it can serve two thousand people. The town only has fifteen hundred. No other hospital can move in because it no, wouldn't no, make you're be, sense you're being to scale. very you're being very denotative with the word natural. And that, it's, no, it's I'm, like I'm saying term. that's the economic term. That's the economic term. A natural yeah. monopoly is a hot, is a type of monopoly that occurs due to high fixed costs and a need to achieve extreme economies of scale, aka yes. that's that's not utility the companies. companies. Yes, that's, that's not absolutely the yeah. Well, so so, because, so like water, of, water and electricity are the best examples. Of yes. Those are yeah easier. Yeah, right. but cable cable I, is too. I mean, how many how many cables you want running along or below uh, your property? There makes there, there comes some a point amount of sense. Absurd. There's the some amount of sense that. But the issue is that they, these companies have actually lobbied, lobbied local governments to make that's, it illegal, yeah. to make it illegal for competitors to move in. So, they, so it's not the natural. They should lobby the government to do everything they want them to do. The government shouldn't mm. give it to them. Like, you're like we got to get. That's, that's, okay. that's exactly it. I want yeah. the government to fucking stop giving yeah. it to them, I mean, and they just keep giving it to them. Welcome to pluralistic <laughs> federalism. I mean, it's, it's not going to go all. Like, but that's that's the thing. Like it, it's. You, you both are making great points, and I think I actually have to end it here. So, actually, yeah, I do <laughs> Chase, have to go. Yeah. Chase's oh outburst. Great. It's, great, it's great already ten thirty. But yeah, yeah, yo, you're right. The government keeps giving it to them, and I want them to stop. That's why I keep shouting about it. <laughs> yeah, like it comes down to we have to share a country with some careless people, like and some shitty ideas. Perfectly stated. I, I again, everybody. Well, that is a wrap. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight on this week's News Roundup. Chase, please go ahead and shout yourself out a little bit so that the people that might not know who you are get to know you a little bit and have your channel, and I'll drop the links in the chats. Yeah, uh, I'm Chase. You can follow me on Twitch at Chase W. Mitchell. Uh, I barely am streaming nowadays because i got a whole lot going on. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter the same at Chase W. Mitchell. 
Links have been dropped in the chats. Again, Chase, always glad to have you on the show. Very knowledgeable person, very entertaining. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time that you joined us, go ahead and smash that like button for the algorithms. It really does help us out. Gets it propagated all er, everywhere. Go ahead and share us too. And as always, keep your head up through the political storm. <laughs>